Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I will provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you are a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. First, I want to say that the chat room is now open. If you're listening to this live, uh, you can join us in the chat room. We are happy to have you there. You can ask questions of my guests, and we'll try and answer them on the air. And uh, I want to thank everybody who tunes in regularly to Movie Beat, everybody who reads the blogs and visits the website. The official website is rexsikes.com. That's rexsikes.com. It's my name, and that's where there are over 70 interviews archived uh, for you to go and listen to. If you haven't listened to it before, if you if this is your first time listening live or, or to an archive, go back, listen to all of the other interviews there. You're going to be glad that you did. Uh, Movie Beat's really a resource designed uh, to connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. Uh, so you want, to, you want to go back and listen. You want to read the cast and crew listings, the events, the hot news, and all the different things that are right there. You can subscribe to the website. Uh, by clicking the RSS feed there on the welcome page, and that way you'll always be updated to changes. Um, if you're listening to this live, please go ahead, friend us, make it a favorite, leave comments. We like to hear those. We like to have those. And if you're listening to this archived, um, uh, enjoy it. And then uh, keep in mind that uh, there are new guests every week. I've got an incredible lineup of guests coming, and I want you to uh, uh, stay tuned and, and stay in the loop with all of these uh, fantastic guests uh, that uh, we're lucky to have here on Movie Beat. Let me say, um, first off, we've got some announcements to make. Um, one is the Buffoonery Workshop. Trilby Jews, who's a guest who's uh, an acting coach and uh, a filmmaker, has uh, her Buffoonery Workshop coming up Saturday, January 23rd, and Saturday, Saturday I'm sorry, Sunday, January 24th, at Rhodes Wellness College in Vancouver. Uh, British Columbia. Her website is uh, uh, buffooneryworkshops.com. I'm going to spell it B-U-F-F-O-O-N-E-R-Y workshops, W-O-R-K-S-H-O-P-S dot com. So go to Buffoonery Workshops. You can find out more information. She also has a Buffoonery Workshop uh, page on uh, Facebook. So please go check that out. Uh, I think you'll be glad that you have, and if you want to learn more about it, I, I talked a bit about more a bit more about it in uh, the most recent workshop with Douglas Dave Stewart. Um, there are lots of things coming up. I'll start with the NorCal Screenwriter and Filmmakers Expo. That's coming up in March the 26th through the 28th in Napa, California. And uh, Kevin Sorbo, who's been a guest, a regular guest here on on a Movie Beat, has his uh, 
Celebrity Golf Tournament coming up. He's preparing that now, a world fit for kids. It's a charity. That will be in June uh, the 10th and the 11th in Las Vegas. Go to the Hot and Fun blog at RexSykes.com, and you can learn more about these upcoming events locally in my area firestarter films festival number seven is is friday night that's tomorrow the 15th of january from six to midnight at live artist studios in the fifth ward and you're going to certainly want to attend that uh the field film festival is the one that i've been talking about that uh, firestarter and i and uw waukesha put together that will be february 6th it's a saturday from 5 until midnight. Uh, check that out. And the Beloit International Film Festival comes up February 18th to the 21st. And uh, you can find out more about all of these events at the Hot News blog on uh, RexSykes.com. Now, in terms of my upcoming guests, um, next up will be uh, Peter Tolan. He's returning. He's a series creator, writer, producer, director of the series Rescue Me and many more. He wrote Analyze This, My Fellow Americans. Uh, we just did a previous interview with him. You're going to want to listen to that. Doug Stewart and I just finished one. He's going to be coming back. Uh, Peter Marshall and I started our director series, so you're going to want to check into that as well. He also did the first AD series. Uh, NBC Heroes actor, the villain on Heroes, David H. Lawrence the 17th is coming up. Dallas Jenkins, the director, uh, will be here with us. He did Kevin Sorbo and Christy Swanson's latest movie. Uh, what if? Nick Mancuso will be back for a couple of times. Uh, he's a writer, director, actor in multiple TV series and over 120 different movies. Brian Krause, Leo from Charmed, is coming up. Jackie Birch is returning. Uh, she's a casting director, has cast many um, huge movies. Ted Hope, the independent producer, who's done over 60 movies, including 21 Grams and um, uh, The Tao of Steve is coming up. Uh, there's so many guests. Just go to the interviews blog at RexSykes.com. Look at the lineup. Look at who's there. Listen to them and be sure that you tune in because you're going to be real glad that you did. I've uh, just got incredible guests and uh, it's for you to take advantage of them and their knowledge and their expertise and to, uh, to listen to what they have to say because it's all designed to help you get your projects done with as little effort uh, to maximize your, your own uh, efforts and uh, what to do and what not to do. All right, so uh, we've got people in the um, in the chat room. Uh, welcome to everybody who's there. And uh, I want to say that uh, my guest today is named one of the ten digital directors to watch by Daily Variety. It's John Reese. He's a critically acclaimed filmmaker who's produced and directed three feature films, and most recently, Bomb It, about graffiti and the battle over visual public space throughout the world. Now, based on his experience of releasing Bomb It. With a hybrid strategy, he has published the book, Think Outside the Box Office, The Ultimate Guide to Film Distribution in the Digital Era. Now, he also speaks around the world at film festivals and schools and organizations on this topic, and we are very pleased to have John with us today to discuss this very topic. It's a new day. It's a new era. It's a different day, a different era, and something needs to be done so that independent filmmakers like you and me and all the rest can get their movies released. John, how are you today? I'm good. Uh, how are you, Rex? I'm Thanks for having man. me on Thanks. the show. Well, very welcome. We're, we're thrilled to have you, and I appreciate you taking the time uh, to make yourself available in this fashion. So, you have a, a, a very, very fascinating book, um, and uh, I have a copy of it. I got, you got me a copy, and I sure appreciate it. I do think it's a must-read for everyone 
um, who is uh, making movies today, they need to be able to examine the the topics and the advice and the strategies that you provide in the book uh, to best take advantage of of what's happening in in this world today and to and to be able to get their their films commercially released. Uh, thanks for putting that out. Uh, thank you. Yeah. No. It was what happened is I wrote um, a few articles for um, Filmmaker Magazine, and based on actually my executive producer saw what I was doing with the film and releasing the film, and he said, "Man, you're crazy." Um, and but what you're doing is great, and you should like write about this experience so other filmmakers can learn from you. And he introduced me to Scott McCauley, who actually I've known for many years. And Scott said, why don't you write a series of articles for Filmmaker Magazine? So I started doing – I did that. I wrote three articles for Filmmaker Magazine, um, which you can, can actually link off my blog. Um, and those – and then so a lot of filmmakers started coming to me for advice and to, to have me as a consultant. And I said, sure, you know, yeah, I'll charge you a couple hundred bucks. And then I never heard from them because filmmakers are broke and they can't even afford a couple hundred dollars for someone to consult with them. So I figured, well, fuck, excuse me. Oh, am I allowed to use um, French words actually, on the show? Actually, no, you're not. No, you're okay. not. So, but, okay, I'll try to. I actually, him. I'll have to really con- uh, constrain myself. I said, shoot, okay. um, you know, shoot. filmmakers should at least be able to afford $25 for a book. So I'll write a book and I'll just do a brain dump of all my experience into that book. And that's basically what I did. But I only, I, I actually then realized, well, you know, I have a certain knowledge, but there's all these other people out there who have this other knowledge, so why don't I interview them and incorporate that and make kind of like and turn my experience into a systematic approach to distributing and marketing your film, kind of like a tool book that I wish I had when I started making, when I started releasing my film. And that's basically what the book, book tur- turned into. And um, so and you can buy it online from my website, thinkoutsidetheboxoffice.com. Just have to put a little plug in there. And, no, 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 um, I was just going to ask you to do that. And um, the book's twenty one ninety five, discounted from twenty four ninety five. And we just actually two days ago launched the PDF. So actually, if you prefer it digitally in a PDF form, you can do that for fourteen ninety five. So um, that's you know that's the book. And so I've been you know out promoting it. I also do other writing for other blogs. And uh, and, and, and would you do me a favor? Yeah. Would, would you would you give your blog site right now so that people can uh, check out your blog as well? Yeah, yeah. My blog site is johnreese.com uh, backslash blog, uh, j o n r e i s s dot com backslash blog, and I kind of you know I do any all the other writing I do around the internet is also I I put there. And then I also do updates for the book and updates what I'm doing. I'm going to start doing some more Bombit updates on there, even though I have a separate blog for Bombit. And um, and then the book website is thinkoutsidetheboxoffice.com. Now, there is one more site that I'm launching. I'm hoping to launch it for Sundance next week. And I'll give you the website now. I don't know what you're going to find there because I actually didn't check. We just kind of like maybe today fixed the login. And certainly anyone listening to it weeks from now on the Internet as a podcast you should be able to get there. And that's ultimatefilmguides.com with an S. And that is actually going to be the resource and community site for the book where you can go and any kind of tool or resource you need to distribute and market your film should be listed there. The idea is that distributors, fulfillment companies, um, different kinds of Twitter apps will all be listed there, and you'll be able to comment on those sites and those resources and rate them. And then you'll be able to see what other filmmakers have commented on. It's kind of like CNET meets Wikipedia 
for film distribution and marketing for filmmakers. No, it's a fantastic resource, and I'm glad I'm glad that you mentioned it, and I'm, I'm really glad that you're doing it. And for all those who are listening right now live and who are listening to this as an archive or as a podcast, um, go ahead. I mean, the book is affordable, and it, and it is a must-read, so uh, I, I want to emphasize that. So, John, uh, thanks thanks for bringing all of that up and, and, for, and for putting it out there so people can take advantage of it. Let's jump right in. Uh, let's let's okay. talk first off. Today is different. I mean, you know, 30 years ago when I was in the when I started as as a as a youngster in the business, um, or or 50 years ago, or you know, 100 years ago when the movie business was kind of it, it's different. I mean, there's there's it, there's it's not the same, and and people who are treating it the same uh, are in for a big surprise. Uh, how has it changed? Can you can you illuminate us on that, and then and then we'll talk about the strategies and the hybrid methods that you have for uh, uh, successfully getting your movie distributed. Well, the big changes is starting around 1980, 83, 85, yeah, 1985, independent filmmakers could kind of rely on the old studio model and selling their films in what was called an overall deal or an all rights deal, where someone would come along, pay you a million bucks or half a million or five million or certainly more than what you spent on the movie to buy your film and then sell your film. They took it off your hands and bye-bye, I'm going to take your film, here's a chunk of change and see you later. And a, you weren't really involved in the release, and B, you got paid to make, you know, on the back end for making a film. Not on the back end, but at the end of making your film, you could reasonably feel that if you made a really good film, you could sell your film. That, whether that was really true or not is one story, and there were a lot of horror stories from that, as people have read, like some studios or companies buying their films and then just putting the film on the shelf or dumping the film, and Filmmakers were always upset about how their films were handled or nearly always upset about in that old system. So whether or not that old system worked or not or was great for filmmakers is another story. But frankly, that, that system now doesn't really exist so much anymore. I mean, it exists for like, I think there were four films sold at Toronto. There were three films sold at Sundance last year. Um, so basically, the, the rug has been pulled out from under independent filmmakers. And, and you have to, and those numbers of three films sold, four films sold, that's with 5,000 films being made every year. So the numbers are not favorable for filmmakers these days to get what was called an overall deal. Um, and then there are also then overall deals. The overall deals that currently exist are basically offering you ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars for all rights for your film for 20 years. So essentially, if you've made your film for $10,000, then that's a pretty good deal. If you've made your film for $100,000 or $500,000 or a million, $50,000 for all rights for your film for 20 years is not a good deal. So the alternative is what's called a split right strategy or a hybrid strategy, where you basically take and you divide up and you sell the individual rights, such as DVD rights, um, cable rights, foreign rights, um, digital rights, to separate entities, plus the rights that you don't sell, this is, and that's a split right strategy. And those are still possible. There are still DVD companies out there, not that many that are giving advances. There are digital companies, not that many that are giving advances, etc. There are cable networks who mostly are the last bastion of giving you a chunk of change for your film, and also foreign television, which are the last bastion for giving you a chunk of change for your film. But basically what you need to do is cobble together all, selling all of these individual rights and then any right that you don't sell to an entity, you're basically doing on your own, basically self-distributing those rights. Some people, when they can't partner with a, another company or sell any rights whatsoever, are then self-distributing or doing a DIY release for all of the rights for their films. 
What I'm saying is that there is a, each film, my big philosophy and my big mantra is that every film's different. Um, every film deserves its own kind of specific kind of release. Every film will have different partnership relationships with different companies. And what you have to do is devise a strategy and a plan for your film that makes sense for your film, um, given the nature of the film, um, given the nature of your resources, and most importantly, what you want from your film. And everyone wants, you know, everyone thinks, oh, everyone wants the same things from the film, from your films, but that's actually not true. People want different things from their films. Different people have different motivations. So what you, and this is actually the beginning of the book, basically, I'm giving you is basically you need to figure out what your strategy and plan for your film is. You should fr frankly be figuring this out before you make your film, um, but no less than when you're in post, or really no less than when you're in production. And you need to determine through some combination of what your resources to release the film are, what you want from the film are, and what kind of film your film is. And that will kind of help determine what your strategy is. And the but, book, uh, one last thing, the book kind sure. of walks you through those steps of how to yes. do that for your film. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back and address some of those in just a second. I, a couple of, one a comment and then a second a question. Um, and, and one is, those of us who are lucky enough to be in touch with professional filmmakers, I mean, people who've done it for, for many, many years, um, e even with a changing day and age, I mean, they, think, they tend to think about it differently. I mean, if people go back and listen to Andrew Stevens talk about producing, he will say, you know, go investigate what's, being, what's out there in your distribution opportunities and look at all of these things before you even write your script so that you know, you know what to write. Don't you know? I mean, th th there's there's an interesting way that the the, the, com the professional commercial filmmaker who's successful, and Andrew's done over 200 or 300 movies, um, he approaches the business and and versus uh, the people who I encounter, you know, on a daily basis or on a weekly or monthly basis, or or probably some of the people who you encounter, you know, in in your travels uh, around the country or the world. Um, they seem to hold on to these myths of like, uh, well, Blair Witch, you know, broke through, or Quentin Tarantino made it, or I mean, th th they they use like one out of a million examples to say I can do well, that. Let me a, I, let me address that. Let me address that in a different way, actually. Sure. So, I, I would say because I think both are right. Um, yes. I would say that if you want to recoup your money from your if you're making a film and money is the most important thing to you in terms of either recouping your money or making money from your film in a marketplace which frankly if that's your motivation frankly you should go into another business because you know this business is not the one that you're is not the one that's going to guarantee you the the, the uh, a certain return on your investment for sure right um so but if money is your interest then yes you before you write your script you should check out the landscape um, of what is more what has more likely has a more likely sense of uh, uh, to sell, and I do address that in the book. Now, the the thing about film that's different from other commercial ventures is that it's based in artistry and then based in or a good percentage of the business, especially independent film, is based in artistic passion and vision in a sense. So, on the one hand, if you're you know if you are looking at the landscape, you might be looking at the landscape that's already happening in past and you don't know whether what's happening in the landscape now and successful is going to be successful in the future. Um, although there are a few genres that you can be pretty reliable, such as horror is going to actually, you know, it tends to be relatively evergreen. Um, but the other thing is in order to make a film, it's so difficult and it's so expensive and it's so, um, you know, takes so much 
passion, you have to also be passionate about the venture that you're going to make. If you're not wholeheartedly behind your film 100% and fully passionate about it, it, it you're never going to finish, to be perfectly honest. And frankly, and the chances of making a good film are not so likely. So you can't, co you can't solely be driven by the marketplace. You do have to tap into some sort of passion to make a film. And that's where you know, that's where there's a little bit of a conundrum these days for filmmakers because it used to be that you could just go off and make a passionate film, and if you made a great passionate film, that would break through and there would be a market and buyers for it. Um, but now that's very difficult. Those buyers don't really exist anymore. So it is much more tenuous to make a film purely on the basis of passion without making any, taking any, into any consideration of the marketplace and expect to make any money back on it. Now, you could go out and make a passion film for $100 or $500 or even $3,000 and not expect to make money back on your film, and you can still probably find a way to get it out there. My book will help you get that film out there. Um, but don't expect a return on that investment and don't necessarily expect to make a lot of money um, if you are just going and saying, I'm not going to care about the marketplace. I'm just going to go with my vision, and I'm going to, you know, damn the trend, you know, damn everyone else and what everyone else says. I'm going to follow my vision. I'm just saying that you should do it and expect not to make any of that money back. Um, but you can find a way these days more than you used to be able to be assured of having that film distributed. Do you see what I'm saying? So, but you may sure. not make any money on it. So, um, because the tools that are out there for you to distribute your film. Now, the other thing I'll say, and, and Rex, I should have warned you, I tend to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and you can basically, um, at a certain point, you're going to have to interject and shut me up. But um, the one thing that you do, you, the one thing you do need to realize, and this is something that I kind of call the new 50-50, that if you are going to proceed, whether or not you're going to proceed in that passion mode, or even if you're going to proceed in that financial mode, um, you do have to understand that when you make a film, half of your work is done, essentially. Um, right. It's called, what I call the new 50-50, that 50% of your time and energy as a filmmaker is now making the film, and 50% of your time and energy and money on all of these things, money's involved, um, is releasing the film. So if you're like, going to make this passion film, don't expect that someone's going to take it off your hands when you're done with it. <clears throat> you have to understand that you have to spend as much time and energy releasing that film as you did in making it, which frankly shouldn't be a problem if you're making a passion project because you're passionate about it. So you are going to spend that time and extra time and effort to release your film. And so that's also a, something that's changed completely. And that's why I also call it the new 50-50. Is is, it's more of a mindset shift. You know, not all films are going to be 50-50. Maybe 70% of your time and money is going to be spent making the film, and 30% of your time and money is going to be releasing the film, um, if you're lucky. Um, but it is, I do like to say the new 50-50 because it's shocking to filmmakers. Filmmakers, you know, it, it's new and shocking that, they, that filmmakers don't understand that they have to be involved in the release and the distribution and marketing of their films because it wasn't like that in the old days. In the old days, as I said before, the distributors would take your film and actually not want you involved. Um, but now you have to be involved. And even if you have a distributor these days, usually a good distributor, smart distributor, will want you involved because no one knows the film better than you do and no one will have the passion for the film like you do. 
Well, those are all excellent, excellent points. No, those are those are great points. Uh, I, I want to go back, kind of, and, and address a couple of, of different uh, uh, areas there. But before I do, let me just take a break now, so that we can talk uh, uh, uninhibited in just a moment. You're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official website is rexsikes.com. We appreciate your comments and your support about blogs, articles, and conversations. Please feel free to uh, email, retweet, Facebook, MySpace. Uh, however you can, spread the word far and wide about my guests. Whenever you retweet about my guests, it makes me very, very happy because you're promoting them, and they're here to help you in whatever way that they can. So please go ahead and do that. You've got my permission to repost in their entirety these interviews uh, or the blogs uh, as long as you use uh, common sense and, and good judgment. But go ahead and share it and, and spread the word. Um, also, these are all available as podcasts at the iTunes store. So you can listen to them archived on the website while you're doing stuff. You can work on your computer. You can do all surf the net. Uh, and you can listen to it as a podcast or, or carry it with you with your, um, with your um, iPods. Uh, or whatever uh, electronic device you use. Also, if you hear about something coming up before I do, uh, a party, uh, a movie premiere, a cast and crew information, please go ahead and contact me right away through the website. I'll attempt to investigate it and get it up in a timely fashion. And those of you who send me books, I just received a couple great books the other day, uh, product screeners, those kinds of things that you want me to look at or, or uh, investigate and review, um, use the contact information again there at the website. Uh, we are discussing hybrid methods of distribution with uh, author John Reese of Think Outside the Box Office, and uh, we're very lucky to have him here today. Um, my friend Doug Stewart, who was on the uh, radio show the other day, said um, you know, he, he, had a, he had a nice blend of, of, of being professional, being commercial, but not making it a, not being a copy. You know, in the professional world out there of business, they say, you know, clone success and, and you will be successful. But in our business, in the movie business, you really can't do that, and you address that very well. You know, and if you have a passion project, uh, I mean, I don't think you can just go out there and go, I'm going to write about anything and, and, and just because it would be commercial and have your heart in it. So I, I thought that you addressed that really well. I think it's also important for people to know what they have when they've made a movie, what kind of movie that, that it fits into. And, and um, you know, like, for example, and as we talk about it, there are different strategies for, uh, you know, getting a narrative distributed than, than getting a documentary distributed. There's, there's you know, it, you approach it somewhat differently. And the thing that I really, really like that you've said is the fact that as filmmakers now, more than ever, we have to wear two hats, that of the artist and that of the business person. You've got to be able to make the, the creative product, and then you've got to be able to sell your creative product and get it out there. But, but you also have to know what you want, and that is whether you want money for your movie or whether you just want people to see your movie and whether you want them to see it in a theater or whether you want them to see it on an iPhone, you know, or whether they want, you know, they want to pick up a, a DVD from Best Buy or or you know, so there's a lot of different considerations now that there may not have been those years ago. Yeah, and um, what I'd say is that you know, this is a, the whole notion of whether filmmakers are the distributors and marketers of the film is something I gave a lot of thought to because I I know that there are a number of filmmakers that don't have the skill set to be marketers, you know, uh -huh. and so and it's like I think it's potentially discouraging to some filmmakers and go, well, fuck, I can't do that or. And and what I again I gave a lot of thought to this and this is something that I kind of also created in the book and that is that we need a new crew position who's going to handle all this work and I've titled that position the producer of marketing and distribution or the PMD I know it's not the, really the like sexiest it. 
term in the world, but you know, it's, it's, it's functional. And you know, if you're not going to be that kind of filmmaker, then you need to partner with someone who can handle those responsibilities for you. And, um, and you need to partner with them early in the pro- as early in the process as possible. I personally feel that distribution marketing starts as, at inception, that if you're, if you're only getting into distribution and marketing in post, you're too late. If you're doing it when you're, you finish the film, you're way too late. You have to start this process of distribution and marketing way, way, you know, basically, as I say, at inception. And if you're not going to handle it, if you don't want to tweet and, you know, social network, et cetera, and get the word out about your film, you need to have someone on your team who will. Speaking of tweeting and social networking, oh, let me just plug. By the way, if you're going to retweet the show or if you're interested in anything that I have to say, I also have a Twitter account, which is uh, um, Twitter um, John underscore Reese. And there's also a Facebook page for the book, which is Facebook backslash Think Outside the Box Office. So um, you can actually follow me and follow stuff about distribution either on my Twitter or the Facebook page. Sorry, Rex, I cut you off. Absolutely. No, no, no problem, no problem. Uh, but I really like the idea of, of having, a, a, you know, a personnel, uh, the, the notion of creating a, a crew position uh, early on to, to do that. Because uh, films that I've been involved with recently, you know, I, I nag the producers, I nag the directors, I nag them and go, you know, you, you, this should already have been up on IMDb. They're not. There should already be a Facebook page for this. There isn't. You should already be tweeting about it, and they don't. You didn't take pictures on the set like you should have. You know, and and uh, so I may be a little bit of a thorn in their side, but uh, you shouldn't be a thorn you know. in your side. You're doing them a favor. It's like any filmmaker who doesn't think about this stuff. You're basically just so you know. I mean, you know, I may be harping about this, but you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You know, it's like if you want to get your film out to an audience, which otherwise I don't know why you're making a film. You can. There's plenty of other things to do. So I'm assuming you want to get your film out and connect it with an audience. You have to do this stuff. There's no choice. It's just that's the way it is, and it's the hard, cold realities. And the thing is, is that you can make it fun for yourself, or you can find someone who does think this stuff is fun. A lot of people enjoy this stuff. So find someone who enjoys this stuff and partner with them. You know, it's not that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who like the social network, and, you know, those people should start charging for their skills. (laughs) (laughs) And what I'm saying is, like, if you're into marketing and distribution – you know, there's a whole ton of filmmakers who need your skills. You can, you know, you can become a producer of a film by just having those skills, you know, those marketing skills, frankly. So right. if you ever wanted to get into the film business, this is the time. Well, that's good advice. It's very good. So, so uh, well, let's, let's go into uh, strategy for releasing, I mean, and into some of the, some of the different areas that, uh, that you recommend filmmakers. And we mm-hmm. can take this step by step or however you would like to proceed. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the thing in terms of creating hybrid strategy, again, you, you know, you have to create a strategy for, plan for yourself. And, again, I'll say it's kind of hard to say what's a hybrid strategy because, I would, you know, all films are different. Um, you know, but for me, you know, what I did, what I found was, you know, helpful for the book and also for conceptualizing and thinking back on what I did with Bombit and looking at what other films who are engaged in this space were doing, I kind of broke up film rights into three different categories. Um, The first category being what I call live event theatrical. And to me, that is, in a sense, what you think of theatrical, but in a sense, it's reinventing what theatrical means. And that theatrical is not just seeing a film in a conventional movie theater when it opens on a Friday and then ends on a Thursday, and it's really hard to book into those theaters, et cetera. Theatrical is any screening to a live audience 
you know, which is where people people are alive, right? <laughs> any 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 screening to humans um, in the manner that the filmmaker intended. So that's basically from beginning to end in the dark for most filmmakers. So anytime you have any screening that meets those criteria, that's a theatrical screening. It can be in a parking lot. It can be in someone's living room. It can be in a cultural center. It can be in a church. It can be in a school. Any, it can be in a film festival. Any screening like that, to me, is a theatrical screening. And what filmmakers have to do is say, yes, that's right, and I'm going to book into a conven couple conventional theaters. I'm going to have it in 10 people's living rooms that they're going to invite the public into those living rooms. I'm going to have it in five different parking lots. I'm going to do it in two different museums and five different film festivals, and all of that is my theatrical release. Then I recommend which you have to, because generally you're not going to make money off of your theatrical. You might, but generally you're not. Theatrical basically functions to help two things. One is to get your film seen in the way that you intended it, because generally filmmakers still intend their films to be screened in the dark from beginning to end in front of a group of people. So that's one thing. The other thing is it does, it also helps promote your film and get it and helps your film penetrate the media landscape, because that's one of the things that, people still like to organize and press still likes to organize around an event. So it's kind of hard to get the press or the internet to pay attention unless you have an event. And that's one of the things that live event, and that's why I call it live event theatrical is because that's one of the things that a, the reinvention of theatrical can do is kind of create publicity and create awareness around your film. But then you have to monetize your film. Sorry, what? No, no, I was just going to say, I, I want you to continue, and I don't, I don't want you to lose your train of thought, but, but a, a thought to, uh, as you discussed this, and uh, a thought occurred to me. When I was a teenager, there was a movie that came out that starred Pat Boone and um, Eric Estrada called the, the, the Cross and the Switchblade. And I remember this opened up in a, in a theater. It was, it was a, a faith-based movie, and it opened up in a theater, and it had, you know, its week or two run at the theater. But they also started showing it in churches around the town and, and around the city, and, and now, they did it with the, the, the idea in mind that you would watch the movie and, and it, you know, it was a faith, it was a conversion uh, process that, that they were uh, hoping to have people have. They would come and see the movie and then they could, they could guide them, you know, spiritually. Um, but the thought, when you say a live event, you know, it, I mean, this is fascinating because that, that was something that they did in the churches where they would mm -hmm. release it in yeah. the theaters, but they also simultaneously released it in the churches um, and then now the, where my thinking process went with this is the guy Kawasaki came out with, you know, being a, a Mac evangelist, and here was mm -hmm. an evangelist film. And, and, and the point I'm making is when it comes to your movie, you really do have to approach it evangelically like an evangelist. You know, you, yeah. you get it wherever you can, and you spread the word far and wide. And, and I love this notion, you know, get it in a parking lot, get it in a home, get it, you know, and get it out there. Yeah. Every, you know – any which bit, way but lose, right? <laughs> you know, any by any means necessary, you know. And, uh, and um, yeah, I totally agree. And it's churches are one thing, cultural centers. Documentaries right. are a little easier for this, but you can do it with narrative films as well. And it also, you know, it's a, there's also a new thing coming up. It's a little expensive, but where you can do a one-night event that simultaneously takes place across the United States, and very soon you will be able to do that worldwide. Uh, for instance, there's a film called The Age of Stupid, and I wrote a blog on Huffington Post about it. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they did one night of one-night screenings across the United States in 400 theaters, and then they did um, 
600 venues across the world all on the same night being broadcast wow. from the same location. Wow. And that, in a sense, is some of the future of film, when that will start to become lower cost and more films can do that. And then you can do kind of like a one-night live event for your film throughout the whole world at the same time. That's, like, brilliant. So that's why, yeah. to me, a lot of people said, like, I've had a lot of people say to me when I talk about theatrical, and they say, oh, theatrical's dead. It's all about the Internet now. To me, that's complete BS. You know, theatrical's not dead. I don't think theatrical will ever, will ever die. People for thousands of years have been collecting as a community to tell stories and to listen to stories. Film is just one facet of that. Um, so it, the form will change, but the need will never stop. And so whether it's movies, whether it's theater, whether it's someone reciting the Iliad um, to a group of people around a campfire, it's all the same to me. So, um, all right, so you still have to, make, you have to make money from your film. So there's two ways that I see of way, making money. One is selling merchandise hard, good consumer products, one of which is a DVD, but there's other things you can sell. You can sell books, you can sell T-shirts, you can sell mugs, you can sell hats. So I classify all that material, including DVDs, as merchandise. Obviously, DVDs is the most important thing to filmmakers to an extent, but as DVDs die, there's still other merchandise that filmmakers can sell to their audiences and to their fans. And then the next class of classification of rights is, is digital, anything that can be seen or screened as zeros and ones. And this includes television, which is basically one form of digital right platform, the internet, which is another, mobile, which is another, and I'm sure there will be more. So those are the three different ways that I see of releasing your film. So, and what is important in creating a strategy is how those different rights work together. And to make sure that you have a lot of filmmakers have shot themselves in the foot by just doing a theatrical because, oh, I'm ready for a theatrical. And then 12 months later, the DVD comes out. Well, 12 months later, no one gives a F, sorry, about your DVD because you had your theatrical. They think it's old news. And, you know, it's like, why are they paying attention to you when you have a DVD out 12 months after your theatrical? So what you need to do is to have everything ready to go to an extent, either to create some kind of day and date or day and week or day and month strategy, whatever works for your film for your specific circumstance, create some sort of rights pattern where the rights will complement each other and will promote each other. That's is that it in a way that, That's very cool. Is that, is that why nowadays you see more and more that they're opening up the movie and releasing the DVD at the same time? Because basically the theatrical functions as promotion for the DVD. Now, you might put the DVD off, but it's hard to book conventional theatrical when the DVD is in release because theaters are resistant to that. So you might do something where, and this is where I discuss in the book, I created this thing called the two-month window where you start your theatrical two months before the DVD release, have it go all the way through the DVD release and even continue after the DVD release because there are theaters in other, other places that I've said, not, not conventional theaters that will still book you. Um, but within that two-month window, you're still within the same kind of media landscape of awareness window. So the, within that two to three months, you're not going to be considered old news. Six months later, eight months later, yes, you're going to be old news. So um, I also do feel that filmmakers have one push for promotion in them, um, you know, one major push, and so that's why it's better to con do everything concerted at, the same, at some time around the same three- to six-month window and say that's going to be your release time, because at some point you want to move on to other things as well. So, um, you know, those are 
those are the reasons. That's kind of what I recommend in general. Now, those, it may change film to film. You might change. You might have VOD come out three weeks before the theatrical, like Magnolia is doing now. You might do a stunt Internet release for one day on the opening of your film theatrically and then do the Internet release three months later, the, the broader Internet release. There's all different kinds of ideas and ways that you can approach your film. Um, one of the things, since Sundance and Slamdance are in everyone's brains right now, there's a number of films that are using their film festival premiere as a way to launch their theatrical or as their theatrical release and releasing their DVD and VOD at the same time. I personally feel that's a great strategy. It takes a lot of planning and forethought. The thing is, is that you don't want to just use that one, um, one festival premiere. What you want to do is have the rest of your live event theatrical release to go very soon after that premiere festival. Um, I actually just wrote um, a couple of blog posts in um, Ted Hope's blog about this and strategizing your film festival pre premiere. And actually, there's going to be that's going to be combined into a longer post that's going to be on the wrap, um, which is a website next Tuesday, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool, very cool. Um, and, and just so listeners know, Ted Hope will be a guest here coming up uh, um, sometime soon in February, I guess. Um, well, this, yeah, this Ted is Hope. If you if you listen to any other way, if you're interested in distribution marketing. If you listen to any other podcast that I heard Rex talk about earlier, Ted, you really need to learn Ted and go to Ted's blog and hear what he has to say. Ted is great. He absolutely is yeah. great. Um, let me ask you this. I mean, now we've got about, say, 17 minutes left in today's show. But uh, Any questions uh, on the uh, in the chat room? Any uh, any, uh, any I questions? Don't, uh, the, the question that uh, somebody just asked is, is, they said, great show, and uh, were you always a writer? Um, no, it's funny because I actually studied economics in, in undergrad, um, so I wouldn't have to write very much because the economics papers were very short. So I could just write something in a few pages, and that was like my project. So no, I've not always been a writer. And um, it's funny that I've uh, – and I have written some screenplays, like my first uh, narrative feature I wrote myself. I've, I wrote a couple scripts for Hollywood. But it's not something – it's funny that the nonfiction is all – like writing this book is new to me. And writing – the first time I did any kind of writing like this were those Filmmaker Magazine articles. And it turned out that I actually have a facility for it. So, you know, so, you know I will continue probably doing this. Um, it seems like I, you know, do, do it relatively well from the feedback that I'm getting. Yeah, no, you do. You do very well. Um, uh, I'll wait and see if there are more questions to come in. They, they, I have posted the ultimatefilmguides.com uh, website for you, and um, they asked a question that, that you know, you've already answered in terms of writing the book. So, um, But let me ask you this, and that was, um, all right, so uh, I, let's say I am now about to approach filmmaking, and I've got an idea, and I'm driven by it, and, I, and I'm going to write my script, and it's something that I, you know, I'm just dripping with desire to to accomplish, uh, I start, and I start to assemble people. Now, you know, you're saying uh, at that point, you know, also uh, bring in this new uh, production crew person and and begin to map strategies for for uh, not only the film and the well. The I would say that's a little. I would I would write the first draft of the script first. You know, see if you can get actually okay, a script out, you know, before you start engaging, you know. So, you know, you might want to think about, like, uh, what audience – and the thing is, okay, is, I think this is also a really important point. 
because you're thinking about the audience of the film, doesn't mean that you're catering your script, you're making your script, um, you're changing your script for to to chase an audience. What you in thinking about the audience of the film, you want to think of who, what is the audience that this will appeal to, and then you want to reach out to that audience. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a different mindset. So I'm not I'm I'm trying to approach it in a way that. I'm still encouraging people to make films that are passionate to them and not chase a marketplace, but at the same time that they do understand that they are responsible for reaching the audience to their films. So um, I do, and I also understand that the creative, the, the right brain and left brain aspects of this whole process are different. So I do encourage people to write that script, at least get the first draft out and then maybe ponder these issues, because you're going to have plenty of times rewriting your script. But at some point in the writing phase, you might want to ponder, like, who is this script appeal to? Is there going to be an audience? How expensive will this script be to turn into a film? Is there an audience to sustain that? You know, is there something else that it, maybe I can write that is actually simpler and easier to produce, on a, and easier to, less expensive to make an excellent film, because I think you need an excellent film to penetrate the marketplace. Is it less expensive to make an excellent film so that I have resources left over to actually reach my audience? I mean, those are some of the things that you want to be thinking about, um, you know, kind of after you've delivered that, created that first draft. Because I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to, you know, if you if you're really dripping with passion about an idea, as Rex was saying, and this is assuming you're dripping with passion and enthusiasm about the idea. Sometimes you need that enthusiasm and passion to propel you through that first draft. So, um, but somewhere in the script writing phase, you do start need you need to start thinking about audience and who the audience is for the film and how accessible. And you need to also think about these days cost of filming. Like if you're gonna if you're starting to write Avatar, you know, and you know you're intending to make it yourself, well, you better have the chops to make that film yourself for no for very little money because you're not going to be able to compete with the studios, you know. See what I'm saying? No, excellent. Yeah, no, ex excellent, excellent points. And um, uh, I will offer this. I'm going to break the world down into a very simplistic notion, and, and while it's a little bit more complex than I'm going to offer, there are two kinds of people in the world, those who focus on themselves and those that focus on others, and then that's a grace gradient scale. I mean, in other words, some are a little bit more focused on others than themselves. Others are more focused on themselves than others. Anyway, the point being is that some people write for themselves. You know, they write something and they think, I'm going to get this made. It's going to be the best movie ever. And they wrote it purely because it's their vision. It's, it's, they, there's no thought of the audience in, in mind. And sometimes they luck into it and they get the movie made. And then there are those people who write solely for the audience. You know, it's not so much about... You know, my vision is I want to. I want some commercial adventure out adventure out there, and I'm I'm writing it to try and appeal to this particular market. And and I think that, you know, what I what I constantly hear being offered or being said is is you need to have the appropriate balance of both of those. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. As you were saying that, I was that's exactly what I was thinking is that you need a balance of that. And the and the same being true, you know, it's it's a wearing that the, the movie maker creative hat and wearing the business person's hat. It's it's paying attention to what's out there commercially that's successful, and having a, a great story that will that, that can fit into a market so that you can get it seen by the people. Who, so I mean, there's a lot of a lot of interesting elements. Um, we've got now about twelve. Say, the thing I'll say, yeah, sorry, I was going. Let's say one thing about this is that one of the things that this new distribution approach appeal fits with is finding niche audiences that 
you can, you know, that will support and come out and engage with film. So I, I do caveat that so that, you know, it's niche audiences that will engage with film or you can figure out a way to engage with film. And for instance, if you're trying to think of an idea or trying to think of a milieu to set your film in or whatever, you know, maybe think about that, you know, think about like I have a, um, one of the guys I interviewed for the book is Jay Todd Harris who made a film called Bottle Shock, which is very well done and, but lost and he shows me how it lost money, even though they, they, um, you know, received millions of dollars for the release of the film, the film still costs more millions to make and more millions to release. Um, and so his next film, he is actually, it's a, it takes place in lacrosse, in the, the world of lacrosse. And while, while he's raising the money for the film, he is engaging with the lacrosse organizations. He's seeking sponsorships from Reebok and Nike. And he's actually fundraising from the fans of lacrosse to make this film, just to give an example of how this can work. And he's still making a good story, a good film that he believes in, but he set it in this world where there's an audience. And, and you are an advocate of finding or exploring and, and discovering niche markets that you may not have considered you know, when you wrote the screenplay, but that there might be some aspect of the movie that now would appeal to some group that, that, that you then can appeal to. Huge. And that's so. Yeah. That's so. That's so. I would say important. And if you can, if you can find that and create relationships with those organizations, that's going to help you so immeasurably. You have no idea. Well, it's it's it's. I, this may not be the right way of thinking about it, but it's almost it's almost the equivalent of product placement. I mean, you're you're finding you know elements. A little product. bit, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, but that's like a that. Yes, it's kind of like in a sense the principles, but no, it's more like organizational right. outreach. There are product yeah. placement elements to it, and that's one way. You know, if you want to think about like you know sponsorships, you should maybe think about you know creating a more robust uh, relationship with a sponsor and in, in incorporating their products in your film and then creating a sponsorship for the release kind of a thing and in terms of kind of breaking out of the old product placement um, model. Mm -hmm. But it is, it's, I would say it's more robust than that and it's definitely more yeah. about audience engagement and organizational engagement. Well, I, I, and I completely agree with that. Um, we're in this countdown where we've got about eight minutes left and um, and there's so much, you know, in your book, and so much that you have to offer. Um, let's, let's, uh, if you would like, let's plan to meet up again on the air and and continue <laughs> our discussion. Uh, would you be willing to do that? Yeah, happy to do that. Maybe like sometime in March or something, March or April. Yeah, yeah, sure, that's absolutely. That'd be fantastic. But let's let's now use the the the, the seven or eight minutes that we have left. Uh, I just want you, you, you're, you said you're a talker. Go for it, man. Just go ahead and talk. And what do you think the filmmakers need to hear before we close today? That I mean, you've given so much already, but what what nuts and bolts pieces uh, do you want to leave them with in in this remaining time? Um, well, the biggest thing is to really be thinking about the release of your film while you're making your film, and to engage that process while you're making your film. I think it's really um, that is like so essential. And to then also hate to say this, think outside the box in terms of like how you know maybe you know that there's this whole new world actually, which is called transmedia or multi-platform. And the studios have been doing it and television shows have been doing it, but independents really haven't really embraced it yet. But it's a wonderful way to also raise awareness about your film, 
gain an audience, et cetera. So I, I, I think it's really important to really be thinking about audience engagement during production. Think about what kinds of tools you can create for that audience engagement. And um, don't forget one of the key things, and actually in the book I give you um, step-by-step instructions on how to take good production skills while you're in production. You know, it's like it's so funny to be saying these things about thinking about distribution and marketing your film during production when still many filmmakers can't even take decent production stills during their production that they need essentially for their marketing and distribution of their film. And this has been going on for 10 to 20 years, people have been saying this. So it is a little bit of an uphill battle, but you really have to pay attention to this. You can't turn a blind eye to this. It's so funny how many filmmakers that are are still going to Sundance, still thinking, oh my God, you know, that there, many filmmakers aren't, but many filmmakers are going there thinking, oh, I'm still trying for my overall sale. And then if I don't make my overall deal, you know, I'll see what happens, you know. And, um, you know, it's really, I should just say, shooting yourself in the foot. You know, try to really, as much as possible, prepare for this in advance. Engage a producer of marketing and distribution. You know, you might have someone on for production. They may leave your show, then get another one. You know, but get someone to help you with this process as much as possible, as early as possible. I want to let me ask you this in, in our remaining time, and we do have five minutes. But let me ask you this: it's a lot of people, I think, who still make their movies and go, you know, you know, I will release it to a festival, and then and then some have their sights on Sundance or Con, and, and others have their sights on, you know, any festival, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, or I'll just release it to, uh, you know, twenty festivals and and see what happens. <laughs> what what are there? Uh, well, the thing is, is like if you, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just going to be better or worse strategies for festival releases. And Well, I think you really need to think about incorporating the festival release into your release strategy because festivals are great event generators, and they are great awareness generators. And if you're not capitalizing on the awareness and the events that those festivals are creating for you for the sale of your film, you're shooting yourself in the foot again. So instead of waiting for that you know, overall deal that's happening, which basically only happens at about six festivals, basically. And if you're in any of the other six to ten festivals, and if you're any in any of the others, you're not going to be making those sales at those festivals anyway. So why not engage the beginning of your release at that time? Again, in order to do this, you have to be prepared for this. So you have to then back up. You have to start planning for a release of your film at a festival six months before that happens. So, again, I'll just repeat the mantra, which is you need to be engaged in this during, um, during production. And um, you can't be that whole – the old system of finishing your film a day before your festival premiere doesn't help you. you know? um, now, in this transitional mode, you know, potentially if your festival premiere is Sundance and you're just finishing in time – Another way of thinking about it is chances are you're going to get invited to other festivals, right? So use the time after Sundance and say you didn't make your overall deal to then regroup and then create a strategy of how you're going to incorporate the the rest of the festivals that you're going to do into your release strategy and then start preparing there. You know, I'm not saying the world's over if you haven't done this. I'm just saying you're going to need to create the strategy from where you're at now. I mean, nothing obviously is hopeless. The thing is that you need to be smart about it and smart about how you strategize your resources and strategize your screenings. So, um, and again, this is all covered in the book. 
which is on sale for a low price of $21.95. And if you can't afford the $21.95, you can get a digital version for $14.95. And, <laughs> I say and, that with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. But, well, uh, no, but I, I don't want to force anyone to buy the book, but I priced it cheaply so that you know it would help you. Well, I, I think I think that that people absolutely ought to go purchase the book. They should get their hands on it and they should look at it because you, you know we're talking strategy here, but there's there's so many details and so many things that that you know we're just not going to be able to cover in an hour or two uh, that are inside the book. And when we do come back the next time, um, maybe we could talk about some of those elements, like uh, you know more of the nuts and bolts about websites and uh, web you know web 2.0 and 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 the the notion of uh, of creating a dialogue with with your audience as opposed to just um, you know the old method of trying to put information out there, but but making it more interactive, or perhaps some of the marketing strategy. Or what about sales reps and agents? You know, they're you know working with them or getting your DVDs released. Uh, there's so much in that book, and and I do want to uh, to to be able to come back and converse about uh, sure. so many of the things. Um, there is a question here that says, do you do you think there are a lot of people who talk the talk of think outside the box office but don't walk the walk? And we've got about a minute left here, a minute and a half. Well, it's hard to walk the walk. It's a lot of work. Um, so I don't know. It's, I don't know who talks the talk except for people who are like talking like me. You know, there's people who talk about distribution and marketing who haven't made a film, but they're actually engaged in, like Peter Broderick doesn't make films, but he's engaged in this process, invented a lot of this stuff that I talk about. So um, I don't know. It's hard to say at that point. You know, it's, it's, that's kind of, I guess I need that question to be a little bit more specific and it's not going to be in the, I'm not going to answer it in that minute, but I, you know, it's, you know, I guess if there's people talking about self-distribution, yes, maybe they're talking about it just to gear themselves up for it, and then at some point you have to engage and you have to do the work. So at some point it's very hard to talk the talk without walking the walk to do this unless you're a proponent of it, which is great. Go out and be a proponent of it. But at some point if you have a film and are doing it, then you, you're going to have to engage at some point. Um, you're either going to have to decide to engage in the process or essentially move on to something else and abandon the film. Because for most films, there isn't really an alternative at this point in time. But the good thing is there's lots of resources now, I think, to help you. you know. So, And one of those is the book, but there's Ted's blog. There's other people writing about this material. There's going to be my resource site that you can go to. So um, there, is, there is help and hope on the horizon. Well, and like exercise, you can't do everything at once, but the key is just to get started and implement what you can and, and grow and learn, yeah. and there will be a trial and error learning curve, and, and, and the more you do, the, the better you get at it, and eventually, uh, if you stick with it, you can master it and still keep learning for the rest of your life. Uh, you know, we yeah, are out I of time. Say, oh, go ahead. okay. No, 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 no I was just going to say, that's, sorry, go ahead, we're out of time, so we'll just continue later, sorry. I was going to say you've been a fabulous guest and a, and a, and a great resource, and uh, I appreciate having you here so much. Uh, go ahead, take take a few seconds and and, and got 90 seconds, uh, not that much time, about 30 seconds. Oh, and I sorry, you dropped out for a second. What am I doing in the 30 seconds? Uh, well, we have less than 30 seconds now. Go ahead and finish your thoughts and <laughs> say goodbye and oh, have a great day. I was just going to say in terms of the – yeah, I just say goodbye. Check out the book on the website. You know, there's some free sample chapters there if you want to take a look on on the book's website. And, you know, just check it out and let me know. Key is let me know what you think about it. You know, email awesome. me. I'm pretty accessible. 
Fantastic, John. Thanks so much. Have a fabulous day. We'll be in touch. We will book you back for later in March or April, and, and we'll talk about that uh, just a little bit later today. Uh, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Rex. Okay. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, and everybody, I, I, I encourage you to listen in. My guest coming up it will be Peter Tolan. Very next guest is Reed Martin, the author of The Real Truth, uh, and uh, heroes, actor, villain, David H. Lawrence, the 17th. So stay tuned. Go back and listen to all of the uh, podcasts and all of the uh, resources, uh, resourced archived interviews. Uh, you'll be glad you did. Everybody have a fabulous day. Make your projects, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, that's a wrap.